everybody. Uh, this is Brett from Comeuppance Reviews, and welcome back to the 33rd Comeuppance Reviews podcast. And I got the tie man here. Hey, man, it's the tie man. <laughs> and I have... of episode 33, <laughs> by the way. Yes, we are. And also joining us, as he's wont to do, is Director Our Video friend. Connoisseur. Hi, Matt. Hi, everyone. Well, thanks for having me back. Oh, you're welcome. You're, you're always welcome on here. Yes. And um, Ty, you were telling me about something you noticed because you watch a lot of Lionsgate DVDs and you noticed yes. something that they all seem to have in common. So what's that? Well, I noticed that they have the same uh, <laughs> narrator, all the trailers. So also, or, of course, the classic theme, you know, So when you watch a, uh, you know, a Scott Atkins or a. Uh, Dolph Lundgren, you'll see uh, this narrator. It's like, well, who is this guy? You know, it's just Dolph Lundgren. You know, it's like, so I looked it up, and his name is Jeff McNeil. So, but that was interesting. You hear it all the time. So it's like, and no matter what type of movie it is. So, yeah. I know you love the way he says Dolph Lundgren. And yeah. Dolph Lundgren. But yeah, also, yeah, he's the guy that, you know, no matter what he says, it gives it some gravitas. So when he was doing that special it was some sort of bundle wasn't it for a fat beach remember that movie fat yes. beach was that him that might have been him but that was a while ago fat beach you know classic coolio and you know said, and, it was uh, like so serious dead serious so like it's me Dolph Lundgren but also fat beach but also Jeff McNeil right so <laughs> so, right. so, so as a Lionsgate person and a fan you you couldn't help but notice yeah, could that help but notice. voice, and you wanted to put a name to the voice. Yeah, I did. Do you have you noticed that, Matt? This, this guy's voice on all these Lionsgate DVDs? Yeah. I mean, it's one a- of the things, one of the problems for me, because I've gone almost entirely streaming now, um, mm-hmm. is that I, I miss some of these. But um, I miss th- that that aspect of it. But I remember, I mean, especially getting movies from, from Netflix, um, you would – it was like um, – you 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 watch the DVD and uh, and I think too there was a way that they had it set up right so that the trailers you, you you had to watch them right so it wasn't like you could just skip them right um, or, yeah, or they, they, yeah yeah <laughs> but but yeah I I remember that voice I mean it wasn't as good as like kind of the '90s like uh, Roger Corman trailer movie voice where you'd be like Don the Dragon Wilson you know I was like yeah, I got but I know what you're talking about it it kind of gives like those Lionsgate I think the editor too for those Lionsgate trailers is like the same person where it's like they all have yep. the same feel to them where it's just like you just sort of cycle in is it Bruce Willis is the the guy who sits it out or is it is it yeah. Seagal and it, it, it's all the <laughs> yeah, same exactly. kind of thing yeah. <laughs> what, what uh, stunt double are they going to be using in this movie right, yes well, it's, it's funny because some DVDs, they won't let you skip the trailers and some you can, but you can almost always fast forward through them, which is what I do, because then you can get the same feel and you find out what the movie is, but it, it, you can do it in half the time. So especially if you watch a lot of DVDs, that's something that you could do. So I want to um, put that so out there, you know. Yeah, put that out there about Jeff McNeil because yeah. you know he's one of these guys that deserves some acclaim, and uh, no one knows his name, but you know Ty is a fan of someone who who loves voices. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that that's something he wanted to do, so I just wanted to make sure we did that. This is a voice podcast because we're it's our voices. <laughs> yes, it's not a video <laughs> podcast. No, not yet. <laughs> Um, so moving on from that, we also have some of our classic cliches yes. um, and, 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 and segments. And the first one will be the cliche of the day. So 
um, I'll just mention what it is and you guys can talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. Uh, well, no, I'll be here. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so what we call the machine gun Joe character. So that comes from, I believe, Provoked, which is kind of an obscure movie, right? That's where the actual yeah. guy was named Machine Gun Joe. Yeah, he was. Um, but that character. usually when when the hero needs weaponry, usually he'll go to someone to get it. So they'll maybe he'll have some guy in a van and the trunk of his car. Maybe it's an yeah. old shack. But, you know, <laughs> the pers- the hero who is in maybe possibly an unlikely hero doesn't have a whole vast storehouse of weaponry. So he, he has to find someone who can supply him. So that is what we're talking about today. And so we call that the Machine Gun Joe. So when they come up on t- screen and it's like, oh, Machine Gun Joe. <laughs> Thoughts, if any. Yeah, thoughts? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Well, go ahead, Matt. Oh, I was going to say, my two favorite, two, two of my favorite, not my two favorite, but two of my favorites are actually in Jeff Speakman movies. Um, in uh, Land of the Free, you have Don Stroud, who um, is the one that, like, gives him the, the bomb equipment, and it's like his face is kind of burnt, too. And Speakman just wants the bombs and just wants to go set up so he can bomb uh, Shatner's house out in the, <laughs> in the country. And Don Stroud's, like, almost, like, begging him to go with him. Like, he's like, do you need another guy? Do you need someone else? You know, I'm here if you need another guy. And Speakman's like, I- I'm okay. Just give me the bombs, man. I'm, I'm, I'm good that. <laughs> See, I like that because he, he wanted – he was aspiring to be more than just a machine gun Joe. He wanted to get into the action. Yeah, I think they were almost like trying to make it look like he was like a crazy like pyromaniac or something. I don't know, but it was just it was it was kind of interesting there. And then of course, um, is it um, the expert right with Jim Varney? Yeah, Jim Varney's like, machine gun. Joe. Oh yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, or James but, Varney, if he's serious. Yeah. Well, now, now, now we're going down that road. Uh, well, in his vi- when he was vying for more serious roles, he had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> See, that could be a new segment. We could do a whole segment of that with the people's full names. Yeah, we have a bunch of examples which we already said. Well, Jeff, give... Jeffrey what? Speakman, right? We yeah, Jeffrey Speakman. Speakman. <laughs> Jeffrey Speakman. James Varney. <laughs> well, yeah, they were together, so they could have yeah. done that. Um, and James Brolin. So in the well, yeah, it was... Right. But... I guess you can't really extend James too much. Like no. Jameson, maybe. I don't know. He's not Jim uh, Roland, so he can just go backwards. No. You go back the other way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's go back and forth. Um, okay, so that was the Machine Gun Joe. And yeah. um, well, that's a good, we have an action star. Yeah, so that's a good uh, segue into the action star of, of the day, which is Morley Safer from mm. 60 Minutes. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> You <laughs> can stop there. But, uh, so. but yeah, I know, Ty, you have a whole scenario here for, for Morley. So yeah. uh, what is that? I have two scenarios, really. So one would be he'd be Morley Stone. He's a cop on the edge. <laughs> and then he you know goes up against serial killers or something. Or if he needs the arsenal of weapons from Machine Gun Joe, he could be like Commando. He could be like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So he has this massive amount of weapons, like with his uh, <laughs> like two shotguns. He's shooting at people. <laughs> he has that bullet, that bandolier of bullets, like across yeah, his chest. Of course, he'd be shirtless. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great image. Yeah, morally safer um, shirtless. <laughs> well, that's why people tune into this podcast because they, they want to hear things they've never heard before, and that's got to be one of them. It's going to be um, shirtless this episode. Is it going to be Gilbert Gottfried, or is it going to be more? <laughs> you never know. Um, 
But we have a title. Oh, yeah. sorry. What you want your title? Um, unsafer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or unsafe at any speed, and it can be like a car chase movie. Mm-hmm. And there, I have a tagline too: No one is safe. Err. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like no one is safe. Dot dot dot. Err. Err. Yeah. So yeah, and he, he already has beard stubble, if I'm not mistaken. So he wouldn't have to change that. You know, I keep thinking he looks like Hugh Downs. So maybe I forget what um, he looks like. Well, Hugh Downs, in his own right, could be an action star. <laughs> Anybody? Like, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, the thing I like about Hugh Downs, Hugh Downs would be great in a, like, sci-fi, like a cheap 90s sci-fi movie as, like, <laughs> yeah, a computer voice. He would be a great computer voice that's, like, like a computer that can do magical things, like computers can do <laughs> in the 90s if it was a future film. Yes. I, like, I like Hugh Downs for that voice, you know, like, yes, Jim, we can do this. <laughs> Uh, that, was a, yeah, like, that, that would be good. That would be good. I mean, that could go with, you know, maybe he could star with, um, you know, like uh, Robert Stack, Peter Graves, and Leslie Nielsen in, yeah. in some sort of Expendables type movie. Yeah. Stack, yeah. Stack's voice was just, yeah. He would have made a great computer voice, too. That would have been amazing. Robert Stack? Well, you got to love him in uh, Unsolved Mysteries. So it's like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Don't we maybe, want all our computers to sound like Robert Stack? Right. Maybe in the Morley Safer or Hugh Downs, he can like beat someone up with the teleprompter. <laughs> with the teleprompter? Oh, maybe I think you when you see you know shots of a teleprompter, it's, it's kind of made out of glass, right? So maybe yeah. he throws someone headfirst into the teleprompter and the glass breaks. <laughs> kind of like a car when they throw someone's head to the car. <laughs> oh, yeah, like he slams the like door and then their head breaks yeah. through the window. So yeah, he does the same with the teleprompter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then no on one... the teleprompter, it could say like "You're done" or something yeah, like yeah. that. Like <laughs> it would, the teleprompter would say like "The fight's over." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> too good of an idea. Why didn't they do it? You know, that's, that's it's so many regrets. Yeah. No. It's never I too think late. He's for... is still alive. Yeah, I, I, I think he's still alive. I think. Morley Safer. I thought he passed. Oh, he passed away. Oh. Is Hugh Downs still alive? Oh no, I gotta check these people's ages. It's like yeah. <laughs> I never, Hugh I never Downs, I haven't thought about years. What's up, right about Hugh? Oh, well, I was just gonna say a lot of these are kind of speculative. Like uh, oh, we've talked right. about people who should have been an action star who have died so right. you don't yeah, have to be alive to be part of the segment but it'd be better <laughs> if you were yeah <laughs> but it's better if there's there was still that possibility that yeah, yeah. Like, you, like you and i were mentioning about john tesh you know there's still a chance you know we talked we talked about him before but there's still even a fabio you know tesh and fabio could get together it's still possible <laughs> Because they can both pick up the piano and throw it at people. to pick up people's like instrument of profession and yeah, then throw it at people. Like so they just pick up a grand piano, Fabio, because he's strong. <laughs> well, I think well, Tash can probably do that. Yeah, that's what I thought too. So he can go either way. So they both pick it up and they have some super uh, strength. So. <laughs> I haven't heard from either of them recently. The last time I heard about John Tesh was um uh, over the summer. Remember um Trump had that rally in Oklahoma that like I guess like the TikTok kids pretended they were bought or they they like bought I kind of remember that yeah yeah so like nobody showed up and so they were doing this thing of like what 
artists um, performed at that same location and, and had better, you know, uh, turnout for their show. And John Tesh was on the list of people that, like, I guess, like, performed there, like, the same time that last, you know, the year before and had, like, I don't know, like, three or 4,000 more people come to his show than Trump's rally. So that's I'm the last I heard fan. of Tesh. I'm a big fan of John Tesh. Okay. <laughs> Is Miss Donna the Dragon Trump? Well, yes. Why isn't my picture on oh. the wall? Oh, movies? that's right. Remember we talked about in the Dudikoff episode where, you know, you see Reagan in the picture or Clinton or whoever. You know, in the you office know, when you the know, office. whoever's president, there'll be like the CIA or the FBI, and there'll be the framed picture on the wall um, of the president. So you don't see Trump. It's like you don't see me. I'm not in the background, okay? <laughs> well, I mean, the, I mean, it would, the movie would have had to have been made in the past couple of years. I don't. That's true I mean, to too. Be it has to be a CIA building. Yeah, I don't think they would have just had a picture of Donald Trump on the wall in like the 80s or 90s, would they? <laughs> well, or maybe they would have. He was around. Well, he would <laughs> ask for it. I think that's what he yeah, would. Yeah. He would be like. He would look, watch the movie, and be like, "Yeah, it's a great movie, but I, I don't know. You, you don't. You know, the, that, that picture of Clinton in the back there. I think he could replace it with me. Between. Yeah, yeah. Nobody will know the difference. Picture. You tell people that I was president, then they'll believe it. Yeah, I like, I like your impression. It's good. I don't know. I just, I'm kind of going off your impression. Oh, okay. I, don't, I don't have a good job. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing. It's, I have one criticism with your movie. I wasn't on the wall. But. I don't want George Bush. Yeah, that was kind of Bush. Yeah, almost a little Reagan. Well, yeah. Did we talk about presidents being action stars in the last episode we were on? Well, we, if we haven't, we can maybe save that because oh, okay. I think we might have said McKinley. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure we did. Well, I think it was shot. Right? So. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. What's that? Roosevelt would be the, probably. The oh best. right. Yeah. He's a tough guy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but was it, oh yeah, it's funny because in that movie I borrowed from you, Silent Partner, Ty. You know, it takes yeah. place in Russia, and they have a picture of Putin on the wall. Oh, that was so a while I guess ago. Every country does that. Yeah, um, I think Shark Attack Three, the Megalodon, <laughs> has Mexican president at that time, Vicente Fox, on the wall somewhere. So yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> so it's not just something we do. I think all countries uh, do that. Yeah. It's just kind of funny to see when you're watching these movies, especially these direct-to-video ones, and say, oh, that must be the president of Honduras or wherever, you know. <laughs> well, I was thinking, like, Trump might be in, in bad shape because he's a one-term president. Um, no, don't tell him I said that. I'm sorry. I won't. I, okay, <laughs> yeah. I won't. I didn't hear that. Yeah. Okay. Well, he does listen. He, he's but, a fan but, of the podcast. <laughs> he knows the show, but – Bush, George uh, George H.W. Bush, or Bush 41, or whatever whatever you want to call him, as a one-term president, he was fortunate that he was the one-term president between 88 and 92, which is like kind of prime act, you know, DTV action real estate. So I think he has a disproportionate number of pictures on the wall because – that That's a great point. Yeah. Great point. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And of course, Reagan, you know, president from 80 to 88. I mean, I mean, you're on a lot of walls during these movies. Um, um, In his like library, it it says that he watched Cobra, uh, Ronald Reagan, in his uh, movie theater. Yeah, no, you can look up the movies that presidents have seen in their White House theater and Reagan – is credited officially yeah. by the White House of having watched Cobra in the White House. Wow. That's it makes awesome. sense, right? Because he was friends with Sly Stallone, I think, wasn't he? <laughs> That's awesome, too. I think so. <laughs> yeah, this is rare. <laughs> 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 
friends of Reagan. Well, we're friends. Well, well. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what the conversation sounded like. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, Trump watched Bloodsport, Reagan watched Cobra. I mean, we there is a presidential history of them watching these great action movies. So it, it's out there. Um, <laughs> we just want to get to our our uh, topic of the day, yeah. <laughs> or not? Are you can just, just have no topic. We are here to talk about Richard Norton, yes. um, who is, I think, certainly one of our favorite action stars at the time. Um, I do have a bit of quick background I want to run through before we get to our list of uh, Norton movies. Um, get my list. Okay, so I just need to have it come up on my screen and. Oh, um, what's like? hot live radio yeah this is hot live radio <laughs> and, well one thing i can say is um he started off as a bodyguard just like um Dolph lundgren and he was a bodyguard to a lot of um people in the music world and it was linda ronstadt that uh suggested he get into acting and um he was uh Oh, yeah. So he was the bodyguard for Rod Stewart, James Taylor, David Bowie, Fleetwood Mac, the Rolling Stones and other rockers. And from there, he launched his, you know, his career that we all know and love. Um, What's interesting also is that it says he trained Kurt Thomas in martial arts for their film together, Jim Cotta. So he was involved in that. And so anytime, anytime Jim Cotta comes up, I have to mention that. Well, do you um, think Richard Norton was doing the cool moves on the pommel horse like yeah. Kurt Thomas? Or? I don't think so, but I think he – because he trained him in martial arts. I think Kurt Thomas had the pommel moves and all the and gymnastics <laughs> down, but oh, he wasn't a martial artist, and, and Richard Norton kind of pushed him in that direction is my understanding. Um, other things I wanted to mention was it says – now, I don't know how true this is, but I did read that it's, he was considered for the role of Riggs in Lethal Weapon. Is that – I hope that's so true. What that would have been like. Wow. That would have been amazing. Well, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I, 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 I thought, I'll leave that. I mean, that would have been absolutely amazing. I mean, what would that have been like for Mel Gibson's career without that? Because he, he has the Mad Max thing. What was it? Was, was it say wanted somebody that had was Australian to be? I was going to say, why is it between one Australian actor and another? Right. <laughs> Because, you know, but, uh, Mel Gibson, yeah. he was in Attack Force Z, right? A movie I've never seen. Yeah. Uh, have you seen that um, one, Matt? No, I haven't. That, that, so so he did, like, some exploitation kind of things before. Yeah. I know he did Mad Max, but... Um, right, besides Mad Max. US. Or Mad Mel. Remember when, when he's always in trouble? He's <laughs> right, called a yeah. Mad Mel. <laughs> That's perfect. So uh, I think that the, the story about him, his family going to Australia was, I think his dad won a bunch of money on Jeopardy, and they moved to Australia with the money. I, I, I think that was the story. Who, Mel or Mel Gibson? Right? Mel Gibson, yeah, his oh. parents, I think. Or his dad, Mel Gibson's dad won money on Jeopardy, and they moved to Australia. <laughs> so, like, his parents are American. I think that's why he doesn't have as thick an accent as, like, a Norton or somebody else. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say is that his birthday is January 6th, 1950. Oh. So he just had a birthday. Oh, so in 1950, so if I do some quick math, you had 50 years. And that's 2000. That's another 20. Whoa. Okay, so he's like 71 years old. Wow. Um, but, you know, he's he's done a lot. And, and um, so I just wanted to mention that quick background about 
uh, about that and how he's it says he's been in they were involved in over 100 movies on tv um he's still from Croydon, australia i was gonna say he's still doing stunts for like like the big like marvel movies and, and DC yeah i think he actors. is still involved in that in the right. filmmaking and stunt work yes yeah because um, when we're, i was making this list you know i was i was telling this to matt that it was tricky or as matt said <laughs> <laughs> it was Paula Tricky. <laughs> I, I said that last time. Oh, you said that last time. Okay. That wouldn't catch on, but apparently it is. Catching uh, on. That's <laughs> all Paula Tricky. To make these lists. Um, well, sure, of course, because especially with Norton, because he's been in, I think, a extraordinarily high number of quality movies, and. I, according to the back of the DVD of Under the Gun, likable action star Richard Norton is in Bone. That's how he's described on the back of the box. So apparently he has a reputation, and I think it's deserved, of being likable on screen. And um, at least that's what the writer of the back of the DVD of Under the Gun thought. And I agree. But uh, so, yeah, and sometimes we still quote that and we say, oh, likable action star Richard Norton. And we will say that because it's because yeah. you, you don't really see that too often with other people. And I think this speaks well to at least Richard Norton's screen presence is you never see likable action star. I don't know, Don the Dragon Wilson or <laughs> Dolph Lundgren. They, they're not. I mean, they might be great people in real life, but they're not described as likable yeah. by who, whoever writes this stuff. So yeah, I, I think yeah, that says something. But the, I guess we can start off the list. I have six uh, okay. movies. Or how many do you have, Matt? So I, I have the, the the five ranked and then two yeah. honorable mentions. Yeah, I kind of. Well, but we could do the same, right? Yeah. Or however, however we want to do it. I, I'm I'm good either way. So. Well, that's why I said while well, I was I said I thought it was Paula Tricky because it was hard <laughs> to, you know, kind of make a decision here. So I'll start with uh, I guess number six. Really, would be uh, Kick Fighter. Mm-hmm. Did he... um, now, as we've mentioned before, and possibly even in the last episode, Kickfighter really shows his range because <laughs> in the beginning he is supposed to be nine years old. Yeah. And um, I don't know what the heck they were thinking, or, I, but I, 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 I'm impressed by the fact that they went for it. You know, they were very bold and they said, you know, we'll have his hair dangle in his face and we'll shoot him sort of in close up so you can't really see his body. And um that yeah and richard norton will be nine i mean at the time he was probably in his what his 30s Um, uh, so a stretch but that's what makes these uh dtv movies so fun to watch so i mean that's what stands out at first about kick fighter and secondly it's that it's an aip movie or at least a pickup and that was when they were trying to turn kick fighting into this hot trend and there's kick fighting this and kick fighting that so yeah kick fighter was something they were kind of pushing and promoting like night of the kick fighter and um uh others so yeah so that's those are the things that come to mind at least for me but how about you guys well go ahead matt yeah i, mean, I just saw this one recently um this was part of a triple bill that i didn't complete i didn't end up getting <laughs> it complete before uh before our show here but it was the first one i watched and um yeah it's i I, I didn't realize he was supposed to be nine. I knew he was supposed to be younger, <laughs> younger version of himself at that part. Somehow uh, figured that out. We read it somewhere or it's in the credits or it says like Richard age nine or something. Yeah. I don't think we just made that up. I think we did see that somewhere. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting one because it, it, like you said, they're trying to do this whole kick fighter thing. Um, it's, 
it, it, it's it, it, the whole idea of it that like this family would move to Thailand and open up a, job, a business when they were living in San Francisco. I mean, I, I guess the standard of living's lower in Thailand, but it just seems like a, a really rough call to make when you're going to bring your, your your kids. And then I, the, the thing too with like the sister, the younger sister, who I guess she must have been supposed to be younger too. She must have been a, supposed to be a teenager um, as opposed to being like in like in her twenties, I guess she was in the movie. Um, but she's got like a heart condition that they need to get surgery for or something like that. But she's still like running all over the place because like, you know, she's getting attacked by people and stuff like that. And, um, uh, like they don't really see, it's like almost like the heart condition only matters when it matters. You know what I mean? It's like, if she well, well, run, it also, maybe, sorry, maybe the, the parents, you know, when they moved to Thailand, maybe the father won on jeopardy. Right, that could be too. I never thought that. They should have mentioned that. I mean, and, and it was like this idea that they were like stranded there, right? And 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 Norton was like taking these jobs because the the family gets killed and like they they they're stuck in Thailand, which just seems like like a, a horrible thing. If like you're, you're like you're like I'm just trying to get out of Thailand and and um. Well, it's like No Escape. It's like that movie No Escape that I watched recently with uh with oh. with uh with here he is. Oh wow. <laughs> Yeah, Owen C. Oh, Wilson. Yeah, Owen C. Wilson. <laughs> wow. Um, which is a really good movie, but I think they're also in that movie, they're stuck in Thailand, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I think that's the country they're stuck in. And they're trying, I mean, the plot's very different. But when you said stuck in Thailand, it reminded me of No Escape. And if people, and not the Ray Liotta one, the, the newer one, if people haven't seen that, they should. <laughs> it's really good. But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. Though that That's kind of my extent of it. It, it didn't make my list. Um, but I think for a Norton-driven film, um, I definitely, you know, I think it's it's, a, it's definitely it's definitely one people should check out. And I think you can get I watched it on YouTube, so it, it is available. Oh, good. good. And what's your uh, number five? So my number five is City Hunter, um, and <laughs> okay. with with, uh, with Jack, you know, it's really a Jackie Chan movie, which I, I read in the IMDb trivia that apparently Jackie Chan, this is like one of his least favorite movies uh, that was made, but um, Norton plays the head baddie, uh, and it's a really great head baddie. Um, he just really chews the scenery. He really has fun with it. Um, Gary Daniels actually plays his his hatchet man, um, and I, again, I read in the IMDb trivia that apparently Keith Vitale was supposed to be up for that role, which... Um, I don't think it would have had the same kind of fun that it does for us now, you know, whatever, 30 years later after the movie yeah. came out, the, the fact that it's Gary Daniels um, as, as the hatchet man or like the, the, the main henchman for him. But um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, I don't know if you'd call it a diehard ripoff because it's kind of like it's a, you know, they take the uh, Norton's men take over this cruise ship um, and they, they hold everybody hostage in a way. But there's, it's not just Jackie Chen, like one man against everybody. There's a whole, there are pockets of people that are fighting against them um, and, and trying to beat the bad guys. So, um, but I just, you know, for, for Norton, I think Norton comes in there and it's a, it's a hard film to watch because of him because because his, his, his audio is dubbed i believe and i don't think it's dubbed by him um so that's one of the problems with it but such a great voice yeah yeah, yeah. i love his but, australian accent right so. exactly <laughs> it's real i'm like mel no just kidding. Right, exactly uh, exactly but but i just i love that baddie that he plays in it he really he really uh, turns it up and i think that always makes the movie fun for me if the baddie can really do it and so that that was one thing i liked about this one Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to have a strong baddie. And the fact that it's uh, Norton and Daniels together is is really special in its own right. Uh, So that's a really good choice. And I do like um, his the Asian part of his movie career where he kind of started off. And um, I don't know how many of those movies are going to come up on the list. But, you know, he had 
you know, he worked with, like you said, Jackie Chan and Sammo Hung and um, when Cynthia Rothrock was doing her Asian films and. Um, oh, right. Like the and, Magic Crystal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Bin Bin. And have you seen Bin Bin, Matt? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> the Bin Magic Bin. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you can get his own so podcast. Yeah, that can be a whole podcast. Just maybe that should be like the Asian well, years of. Oh, of we're talking maybe, about Bin Bin. Well, I don't know, Bin. <laughs> but what didn't Bin Bin like? Is Bin Bin his real name, or that's his name like in the movie? Because I, I remember Bin some. Bin? It's like Wang Wang. Oh no, no. Well, because I think in the movie he plays like Pin Pin or something, and there's a credit that says like and Bin Bin is Pin Pin or something. Yeah, um, I think that's what it is. I think it's Bin Bin who played Pin Pin. Yeah, <laughs> at the real stretch for him. Best credits ever. Well, um, we all know that one of the greatest credits is uh, Sergeant Slaughter as Sergeant Slaughter. Yes, and also um, Mike Cobra Cole as Cobra oh, Cole. Yeah, from Triple Impact, uh, Dale Apollo Cook or Dale Apollo Cook, if you love that American Kickboxer too. <laughs> right, where they yeah. misspelled the word Apollo, which uh, you know could happen to anybody. But, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> Sure. I mean, the people that type these movie credits really should know better. As we've talked about before, you, in these big Hollywood movies, you don't see typos too often. You don't see so, Bruce Wallace. You know, yeah, that's real. Like, you never see Bruce Wallace. Right. Um, but, you, but, but if you watch The Last Flight to Hell, you will see a scheme play. Yeah. <laughs> I know you love the scheme play. <laughs> yes. My dream is to be a scheme play writer. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, as soon as I find out what a scheme play is. <laughs> Uh, there's but, a scheme um, actors no. guild right or the scheme yeah. guild right that he makes his yes. it, it, health insurance and things like that through that yes, <laughs> yes exactly um well i mean that's the magic of the movies and you know seeing things on the silver scheme yeah yeah um, uh, maybe we should move on um okay. Ty, what's your number i mean see you started on six and matt started on five so there might be a problem here no no okay, now you're on five that. right ty I, i'm sorry go ahead you're on five, right? Yeah, I'm on five now. Yeah, okay. Yes, we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which is... All right, just make sure... I want to make sure we're even here. Oh, yeah, I know. We're like... <laughs> Death Fighter is the next movie I have. All right, so... The Cave Rage. So... That's um, the first time I knew of Norton, because we didn't know who that was, if you remember seeing the box. He just seemed oh, like a like, flying kick. Yeah. Oh, that's, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Death Fighter. You know, I, I typed in Death... Fighter right after I Kick Fighter. Death Fight. Yes. Yeah, it is Death Fight. Yeah, I thought yeah. that sounded off. Yeah, Death yeah, Fight. Death Fight, yeah. AKA Rage. Also from the same director as uh, Kick Fighter. And, uh, you know, Rage, oh, speaking of Gary Daniels, he was also in a movie called Rage. Maybe that's why they did the retitling. Oh. Um, but yeah, I think, it's, at least for me as well, that was my first exposure to Richard Norton, only because at the video store where we'd gone to years and also worked at, it was on the shelf. And there was a I, there was an action section, and within that, there was a martial arts section, I believe. Yeah, and, it was. Um, and that was face out. You know, it, it wasn't like spot, you know, where's the spine? The face was out. And then, you know, there's that picture of Richard Norton in mid-flight, basically doing a jump kick. <laughs> and it said... And in, in big, big oh. font, it says Richard Norton. And on the bottom, it says Death Fight. And then, obviously, I didn't know who that was. And I was thinking to myself, why would this guy get said big top billing? I've never heard of this guy, yeah. you know, showing my ignorance at the time, of course. But um, I, so I thought, well, he must be somebody you know, worth paying attention to because usually they don't give you that big a credit on the box like that. And um, and, and as Ty does the quizzical voice, I don't know if you want to do it. Oh. When he first came across the box. What, right. What's... It's like, yeah, it's like Richard Norton. 
<laughs> like, like, who is this guy? And then that started us down the path of his career. But yeah, so for me, at least, I, I can pretty much say it all started with Death Fight. Yeah, where did you start your Richard Norton, uh, like, kind of, where did you start with what movie, do you know? So my first Norton was actually not a Norton. It was it was uh, China O'Brien, um, ah, Cynthia ah. Rothrock. And then I realized, I was like, this guy Norton's really good. And when I started doing the blog, I was like, let me go and look for some actual Norton stuff, you know, with IMDb and all that. So I really didn't get into him in the 90s on that. I mean, it, again, it was mostly seeing him in Rothrock movies, uh, Rage and Honor. Or is that the what, Yeah, Rage, yeah, Rage you know, and Honor. That yeah. kind of it's stuff. Not too, right? Yeah, Lady yes. Drag, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and, and then I, I was like, wow, no, he actually does his own stuff. And uh, so that was I, I, I kind of got to him late. He, I'm kind of later uh, in, in the game with him, unfortunately. Well, but I think probably your story is probably the most common as far as people getting into Norton because, you know, those Rothrock movies were very prevalent in video stores and people probably rented the movies not so much for him but for her. And then they were together. They're almost, they're almost like the Bogart and Bacall of, like, DTV action. Like, they, they, have, they have really good chemistry together and they're in a lot of movies together. So I could see why they were paired up. I mean, to me, that makes sense. Yeah, I always called them the uh, the Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers of yeah, the yeah, yeah. on the site. I, was like, I used to use that expression. So yeah, it's kind of the same idea. Um, yeah, no, I think yours is better because that's instead of dancing, they're fighting. Right. Yeah. Um, but the other thing you mentioned too, I think I probably did see some of his like Serio H Santiago like mm-hmm. post apocalyptic stuff without really realizing it was right, him. Right. Like Raiders yeah. of the Sun. Right. Yeah. Equalizer two thousand. I think. Right. Right. I think I would see some of those without knowing it was him and and it wasn't until i had the site you know had the direct video connoisseur it was like i'm really watching this stuff and trying to find more of this stuff that i realized like wow no richard norton is a big deal like and that's when i put him yeah. in the hall of fame and all of that nice. um so but i yeah unfortunately i came a little well. late to the party for him with him well but it sounds like you made up for lost time so that's good <laughs> exactly um, so I don't know if there's anything more we want to say about Death Fight. We didn't really talk about the movie all that well, much, but uh, it's definitely yeah. another one. He's shot in Philippines actioners. It's fun. I mean, there's some couple good fights, like in some alleys. If you remember that with uh, Ron Hall. Oh, Ron Hall, yeah, yeah. And um, uh, it, it's definitely a solid one. Like you know, well, I'll watch Death Fight. You know, I just, I just procured a copy uh, about five months ago. I haven't re- rewatched it yet, but uh, <laughs> but no, it's a good one for your collection and yeah. um, it's recommended it's recommended and what, people what's your next one matt so my number four is jim cotta um another oh. <laughs> richard dorton baddie one um this movie is more like i, I don't know if the like, cheesy is the word i think I, I always feel like that word's overused um yeah to, to kind of just like you know to describe things it's I mean, it, you know, as you talked about, like, you know, like the way that the movie's set up where it's supposed to be like, you know, gymnastics and martial arts and how it's like, you know, there just seem to be pommel horses randomly placed around. the. <laughs> that, the, the was, that is one of my favorite parts. I think a lot of people's favorite part. Where, yeah, I don't know if the town of the crazies. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the town of the it's like Parmesan stand. But Norton, again, shows up as a really great baddie that makes the movie. I think it makes it it makes it more fun. I think it, it, it he it's almost like he. He, it's almost like he, he. There's probably a part of him that thought maybe this could take off. That maybe if I do my part in training that the lead and making the martial arts really good, that maybe there was a part of him that thought, okay, this could possibly take off. But I think there was another part of him that thought this is 
maybe as he's watching it or something that it, as it's being filmed that like no this is this is pretty sauteed and wrong sauce and um i think he just kind of did his best professionally to to make it work like that and it, it, for me it's one of the things that makes it more endearing than just like writing it off as like you know it it, it kind of elevates it beyond like kind of the showgirls quality of bad movie i guess right, right but i could see kind of how this came to be it's like okay we got this hot gymnastic star kurt thomas we got robert klaus director of enter the dragon and just this could and we have richard norton doing the martial arts training i you know the ingredients are there but um and and to our perspective today it's it's so much fun and i'm so glad they made that movie and i I do love jim cotta i'm a big fan but, but yeah, that's my number four. I remember, um, I think it was uh, Kenner at Movies in the Attic pushed me to review it for the site. At the time, I thought, well, it, uh, in my head, I thought it had made too much money to be on the direct-to-video connoisseur. And then I looked and realized, like, no, that wasn't anywhere close to the case. But um, I always, of course, remember, you know, watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, whenever somebody kicked somebody, um, Joel or one of the bots would yell out, Jim Gata. And it's a... Uh, um, that, that's always I, I, I always kind of I'll still sometimes do that when I watch a movie if somebody you know, Seagal punches somebody's like yeah Jim Cotta you know or something like that. <laughs> well see it's entered our lexicon because I mean it makes sense it's just a contraction of two words gymnastics and karate right that's how they got Jim Cotta so it, you know that could have been the next thing like like a, a thing people study like in a dojo you know you can study you could study taekwondo karate whatever uh, kenpo jim kata uh, yeah. it could have been a thing like ballistica they tried to make ballistica into a thing kind of maybe this could have been a hot thing that took off in the 80s i could see it you know like they jazzercise and gymnastics why not jim kata or taibo you know hey. Right, Billy Blanks, you know, who appeared in plenty of DTV movies. Sure, why not? He could be a podcast episode, too. Oh, <laughs> Billy all... Blanks. Yeah, we should talk about Billy Blanks. Yeah. we got to be on for that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that oh, would oh, Billy Blanks would be a good one. Yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe that'll be the next one with you. I'll even I'll set we'll set it up right now. You know. <laughs> Stay tuned for our Billy Blanks episode. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that because he's been in a lot of fun movies that we could talk about. Yeah. All right, Ty, what do you got? My next movie is Lady Dragon. Oh, yeah. Well, again, another Rothrock uh, combination. Yeah, versus uh, Richard Norton. So he's evil. Um, I can't remember his name. Because his name in that movie, Ironheart, is Milversteed. Right, Mil- <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Mil- Lady Steed. Dragon is like Ludwig or something. <laughs> right, they always give him some kind of wacky name. Yeah. He gets some great names. That's a good yeah. point. It, it, yeah. it is Ludwig Ludwig Hauptmann. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's in the post-Die Hard era, they almost had to have a name like that. Well, he's Hans Gruber from Strategic Command. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he, oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's something very close to that. Yeah. Or that is it. I think that is it. I checked it. <laughs> oh. Okay. Um <laughs> So yeah, so oh, this Carlos, is interesting. Carlos Gruber, sorry. Yeah, I knew they didn't take the name wholesale. I knew it had they changed it somehow. Right. I get I get these names are all mixed up in my head. <laughs> well, it's understandable. But yeah, so instead of um you know, um what am I trying to say here? Then instead of uh, Cynthia and Richard uh, working together at this at this point they're at opposite ends. Yeah, I remember the fight scene between uh, the final one between Rothrock and Richard Norris. Very well done. Very uh, yeah. well choreographed. Yeah, well, I, when you have those two at the helm, you know it's going to be good. Yeah, and I think one of the things about Norton um, 
that I thought was really important when it came to Rothrock's career in the in the 90s was I think he kind of recognized her talent. And so I think he was somebody, you know, we, we, we talk about a lot of these action stars who don't want to take a backseat or don't want to lose at the end or don't want to be beaten by somebody. Whereas Norton was willing to be like, yeah, you know what? No, Cynthia Rothrock can beat me up in, in, the, in the movie and, and, you know, I'll be the bad guy and I'll be the one that like kind of drives it and then she can be the, the hero. And, and I think he, because he was willing to do that in some of the other movies we talk about where he he worked with her. It's almost like he was willing to take a backseat and be the supporting person or the sidekick to let her shine. Um, I think he, he kind of understood how important it was that she be seen as strong and powerful in the movies. And I think that was always really important. I think that like, when we're talking about him being a good guy and all, it felt like that was part of it, that he, he really wanted to see Cynthia Rothrock succeed and, and do his part to help her as opposed to being like, I'm going to, no, no, I, I can't be beaten by a girl or something like that. You know, he never had that mentality. Yeah. And no, I'm glad you brought that up. And I, I think, I think that is an important point. And I think that does lend a lot of um, credence, I guess, and a lot of likability as we were saying to him and shows that, you know, he's, he's a, not just a common sense guy with a good head on the shoulders, but a good guy, you know, and, um, who would, who would do that? So I do think uh, that's important that you brought that up. And what is your next movie, sir? So where are we? We're on three. So actually, I've got another um, uh, Rothrock uh, Norton uh, collaboration. I've got Rage and yeah. Honor 2. And oh, hostile Takeover. <laughs> yeah. So I actually first saw this one on Spike. Uh, remember old Spike? Wow. That, does it still exist? I don't think it's around anymore, is it? I, it might be gone, but... No yeah, more mansers, you know. Paramount Network, I believe. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, and and I actually remember watching it with my dad at the end, where um, where he he's beating up Patrick Muldoon's character, um, <laughs> Tommy. That's what I want to see. Yeah. yeah, and he just keeps yo know, taunting him. He's like, "Come on, Tommy! Come on, Tommy!" And he's like beating the crap. And my dad was like joking. He's like, "Yeah, come on, Tommy! What are you doing, <laughs> Tommy?" You know. <laughs> and, um, that's great. Yeah. He's just kind of rooting. We're like, come on, Tommy. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, no, I was going to say this is one where I think it, it, it is more of a, of a of a partnership. I remember when we were, we were doing the Dudikoff episode for my podcast. We were talking about how American Ninja Two, you know, Steve James wasn't the sidekick; he was like a partner with yeah. with Dudikoff. I feel like kind of the same thing with this one, where I think a lot of the the ones, you know, I think Norton wanted to to be just the the sidekick to to Rothrock to let her shine. This one was set up a little bit differently where I don't think it was ever meant to be that way. It was supposed to be the two of them are sort of separate entities beating the crap out of people in different <laughs> scenes. Um and so you really get to see some really fantastic uh, Richard Norton in this movie. Cuz I think he does fish fighting as we well, call that's it. That's what I was going to say. Is this the one with the fish fighting? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. The, the other thing I love about this one, you were talking about Rage, which I, I haven't seen yet. Um, but both of those movies feature. Um, let me see if I can. I, I, I had the guy's name and I just lost it. Let me pull it back up here. Well, um, while you're looking that up, I'd say that shows his originality because I don't think we've ever seen fish fighting before. And for those who might not know what we're talking about, there's this yeah. big fight and Richard Norton's involved in the fight. And as weapons, almost like nunchucks, he uses these two rather large fish and he beats the guy up with two fish i don't know what type of fish it is but that they look big and heavy enough to hurt you i guess if he swung one at you especially <laughs> if it was richard norton doing it so yeah i think i don't think we've ever seen another movie with fish fighting so that was original yeah 
yeah, that's a good point. You had the fish fighting. Um, the, the the one that I was thinking of too was um you um, the guy from Rage, Ron. I don't know how to say his name. He's he's I think he's Dutch. Oh, Ron, Ron Reken. Reken. Yeah, oh, that's Rage. Because like yeah, uh, he's, he's kind of like a like a Zagarino type. Yeah. Uh, one of the best ape drapes in in the nineties nineties <laughs> action. Um, that thing is just beautiful. Like this this blonde flowing mane that is just. You know, if you if you can't see the back, you think that it's just a regular, you know, nice cropped yellow, you know, blonde uh, haircut. But the back is just flowing onto his shoulders. And in, in this <laughs> film, at least, there's scenes of him kind of like using his hand to kind of just like brush it off of his his shoulders a little bit and almost like <laughs> like teasing it a bit. It, I, you know, it, for for connoisseurs of eighties or, or of nineties mulletude, this film, uh-huh. I, you know, Ron Vreekin takes it to another. I know this is supposed to be a, a Richard Norton podcast, and I shouldn't be getting too <laughs> no, much. This is important. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. But it, it for me, this is one of the best. Um, I, I think it, it, for for nineties mullets, and I mean, you know, when we think of beaver pelts, you know, a lot of times you think of ones that are just so <laughs> firmly business in the front and so much party in the back, whereas this one is a little bit more party all over. Um, but it, it's just so beautiful that I just, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, for me, I, I think this, it, it, it's, for me, it's one of the pinnacles. It's definitely a 10 on the Molitude scale. Well, and this is another full uh, podcast we could do, Best Mullets. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah he, would, he might be my number one, you know, spoiler alert for the, you know, if we were doing a top five. He, I'm trying to think of some other great ones. Um, You know, we talked about, I, I can't remember the name of the movie, but there was one where there's a, a, a pork roast that had a poodle oh. mullet, which, um, <laughs> You know, you know the poodle mullet, right? That's like kind of like curly all yes. around. It looks like, like a, you know, the way poodles when they have their haircuts like that. But um, that one might be a good one too. But that might be more of an honorable mention. This is just straight beauty here, I think. Well, and and what's interesting about Rage and Honor too, in, in that respect, is that we've seen Ron Freakin in other movies, and the mullet isn't as good. This is really his ultimate mullet moment. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> he he it, met the mullet moment. Right, he did. He did. He, did. he knew what was needed for this film, and he. It, I'm just looking at the picture right now, and it, it is just an absolute thing of beauty for sure. It, it's 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 a piece of art, and it should be like the eighth world wonder. It's just it's amazing. <laughs> All right, and so um, moving on from that uh, review, um, Ty, uh, what do you got? I have Mission Terminate, aka Revenge of the Kick Fighter. No oh, way. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is that yours? Is that yours? That's my number two as well. That's, That's awesome. great. Oh. I love when there's synchronicity there. Yeah. Now the box, talking about the box, you know, we talked about the death fight box. This is the one that in the it's Richard kind of standing there shirtless and kind of flexing. And in the background, it just says the word kick fighting over and over again. Yes, it's just the kick that kills. Revenge of the kick fighter. And it just says kick fighting, kick fighting, kick fighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look that up, that's the background, it's just that word repeated yeah. over and over again. Um which, you know, they're really, like, as I, as I said, they're really trying to push kick fighting. And what better way than to just repeat that word like a hundred times on the box cover? Because I thought this one really delivered the goods because he does that. I almost want to give it away. That awesome thing he does where he just shoots backwards. He jumps yeah. backwards while shooting. Yeah. While his machine yeah. Gun. Well, people don't know when that's going to come up in the movie. But yeah. it, that, that is, a as you would call it, a yes moment where you go, yes. Yes, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the thing about this one that I remember is mm-hmm. that and I, the version that I got was um I, I got a rip from a Czech VHS. Um, that was actually you know, I, and that was I, under well, that's awesome, trying. by the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wait, what's that, Brad? You said something. Well, I was just gonna say that, that it, the movie wasn't the easiest to find, so I understand no. that you had to do that. Yeah. 
it, this is one of those ones, right? That was it was supposed to be something else, and then they kind of kind of merged it with the Kick Fighter movie to make <clears> it. Um, they, they they gave the character the same name because this is definitely not a nine year old he's playing here in this movie. <laughs> um, but um, it's it's one of those ones where it's like you, you know when you get those 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 late eighties early nineties. Um, DTV actioners where the plot really doesn't matter. Like you don't really <laughs> care what's happening. It's just about the action. How many huts are being blown up? Um, you know how you know just you, how many people are getting beaten up? All that kind of stuff. And I think this was what I really I, I always really enjoy these ones where it's just like you know okay that happened in the movie. Do I care? Do I, do I really care that this is happening? And um, yeah, I, I really love this one. That's why I had it for my number two. I just um, yeah I and I hadn't seen Kickfighter. I just saw Kickfighter recently. And so um, that's probably another thing to keep in mind is that you don't need to see Kick Fighter before you see Revenge of the Kick Fighter. This no, is, it's completely different. Yeah. Yeah, was, I can understand if people didn't know that. But like you said, it wasn't originally meant to be part of this kick fighting series that they kind of fashioned out of whole cloth. It was originally called Mission Terminate. So, you know, you, that's a great title right? anyway. Yeah. <laughs> they should just stuck with that because that's a cool title. Um, right. Yeah, uh, it, it's shirts optional. I think you know, yeah, whenever, you know good boys. morning movies shirts optional for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Another yeah good choice. Movie. It's a really good choice. Yeah. And yeah. and it starts both of our number two, so I think that says something. Well, I mean, there's like a similar movie which is called Crossfire. Uh, it's similar, but Mission Terminates better. Mission Terminates a little bit better. Yeah, but Crossfire, you know, it's pretty good because there's a lot of exploding huts. And it's like weirdly serious towards the end, if you remember that one. So, oh, yes. And, it yet. Oh, 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 because it's also called Not Another Mistake. Right. Um, so so that kind of hints that maybe this leans a little more serious. But yeah, a lot of stuff blows up and there's a lot of shooting. But I think it has more of a downbeat sort of serious tone to it uh, towards the end. So, right. um, yeah, so I won't yeah, it's actually the, the, um, uh, not another mistake. Or, or Crossfire is actually available um, on demand. Um, oh, for Xfinity nice. here, at least here in Philadelphia. Oh, so, yeah. um, I, I, so that's why I'm planning to watch it after I finish up Blood Street, um, which is you know another one, another uh, uh, Richard Norman. But I, I saw too that um, um, you know all all of these ones, Return of the Kick Fighter, Not Another Mistake, and Rage, they're all directed by uh, Anthony Maharaj, who um, is one that I think doesn't get you know he's he's an interesting DTV. He also did a uh, He's done a, a few really good ones, Future Hunters, or he's a producer for Future Hunters. But um, yeah, he, he's definitely an interesting um, DTV director. Uh, he, he's got absolutely. A, yeah, and, and, you, know, you just, brought that up. Yeah, yeah, because like you said, we've seen his name in the credits so many times, usually as a producer, but he has directed plenty of things, and I think he kind of knows what the audiences are looking for, especially maybe these sort of like. I hate to call them third world audiences, but maybe these foreign audiences more in rural places, like like a Teddy Page type thing where it's meant to sort of please that sort of audience. And I think Maharaj knows how to do that. You know, just give him the machine gun shooting, exploding hearts, fights, just throw everything in the kitchen sink. And if you have someone like uh, Norton at the helm, then it's hard to lose. Um so Ty, I, I think are you at number one? I am. Oh, or am I number two? Because I get because oh, we have a wacky assortment of. Uh, okay, so what's your number? Two? I don't know. I think <laughs> same number two. I think it's both Mission Terminate. What's going on yeah. here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> I, I it's all confusing today. Should just start, should have stuck with five. Yeah. All right. Well, what's your next movie regardless okay, of number? Okay, fine. Regardless of number, it would be China O'Brien one slash two. Oh, <laughs> so you have a, a tie. Yeah, the tie. So. What's, you know, the, the problem with China O'Brien, though, is that there's no villain, really. 
So if you remember that, yeah, Matt, that you know, that you got to have a strong central baddie that makes the movie. So that that is a flaw. And I think again, this I believe this is Robert Klaus again, right? Yeah. Uh, I think at this point, what's the movie we just watched? It was his last movie. Um, there's all those dance oh. club scenes. Oh, Ironheart. Um, yeah, Ironheart. Um, you know. Yeah. Oh, no, that's what he was Milversteed. Oh, okay. Yeah, Milversteed, bro. So, yeah, he had this kind of <laughs> association with Klaus. And at that point, he was he was pretty old. Um, and that's and at least when it comes to Ironheart, there's definitely funny things about that. Cause he's he was getting up there in gears. And so the movie's kind of a mess. But at that. But when he was doing the China O'Brien movies, you know, I think he was a little more together and there was more coherence. But you're right there. It is missing a central baddie. The second one, I remember your review of Tom O'Brien too, Matt, which has a great picture of Billy Blanks. Oh yeah, you know, like with some, like a, some funny pants and like an orange kind of shirt. <laughs> this might be coming up again in our Billy Blanks podcast. Yes, right, because he's only in it for that like, one second. One, one second. Yeah, and it's that one quick scene of him, um, just just. And I, I was like, because it was Billy Blanks, I had to get it right. I could yeah. not get <laughs> Billy Blanks if he's in the movie. Um, and um, yeah, I the thing for me with these two, um, oh yeah, there he is with the yeah. I, actually, I'm looking at it right now. Actually, <laughs> as a, almost mulletist himself. Um, I don't know if you call that a mullet, um, Billy Blake's, where it's like kind of just a little bit of hair coming out the back that was popular um, in the Sprouting. late '80s. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's like a what is this? It's like a, um, a, a tangerine tank top that he's wearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually called it Tangerine Tangerine. It's like. Yeah. And he had zebra pants. That's right. He had zebra yes, pants. Yeah, he had funny pants. I was cracked up with that. <laughs> yes. so. There's a lot of great fashion back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, the reason why I didn't put the China O'Briens on was because I, I kind of felt like they were – this was what you were talking about where this was really polytricky to, uh, to, yeah. make, this, uh, to make this list because <laughs> you're like, you know, do you do – you, do you, Credit Norton's really great performance in these, or do you say that they're they're Rothbard movies? It was like hard that's, that's for you to say. Tricky. Yeah, that was yeah. really made it hard this time. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so I kind of made the decision to say, okay, maybe these aren't Norton enough, but they're really fantastic movies, and they're they're ones I think. I mean, these are her introduction to American audiences. This is these are her first um, American movies, and I'm, I feel like if if Norton isn't there to, to kind of support and 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 really, um, you know. I don't want to say take a back seat in these because he's really good in them as well. But uh, it, it's almost like if, if he had been jealous of her fame or didn't want her to be a star here in the U.S., these movies wouldn't have made it. If he was thinking like, no, I want to be the star. I want to be the big name. I want to be the one that's on the marquee. Um, they, these wouldn't have worked as well, I think. And also you got Keith Cook in them, who also was, was fantastic. I think um, you know he was just starting out as well. Uh, but. Yeah, I, these movies, I think for me, the China O'Briens, um, like you said, though, the, not having a villain, I think the whole like corrupt town thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's kind of almost like baddie in a can, kind of like what you're talking about with Musketeers <laughs> Forever on the Dudikoff one, where it's just like, yes, corrupt bad people in town, right? Nobody likes like, them, you know? They're, yeah, exactly. They're <laughs> yeah. I like your term. Keith Cook, because Keith Cook really gave it his all as well, so. But, so that's worth mentioning. But yeah, but that's true. There was it is definitely a sort of a collaboration. It's not one didn't seem that way anyway, that there was one person jockeying for a position that's, you know, it's it was it was a good um, kind of even balance. So I, I thought that was good. 
Um, one other quick thing I'm going to mention, again, we were talking about the ape drapes in, in um, <laughs> uh, the Rage and Honor films. Um, these China O'Brien ones, um, Richard Norton's Canadian tuxedos are fantastic. So um, that is something to mention for another 90s fashion um, uh, piece. You know, he has some great like, tuxedos, because I think he has a tuxedo in Ironheart a lot, as Milverstead. Speed. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, Milverstead, Milverstead. Yeah, I'm not sure how you say that, but yes. Well, you know, you watch enough of these movies and you see a lot of great fashion. Yeah. You know, um, lots of Zubaz style pants and um, um, what you else? Bring those you know, back. That they should. Um, American Kickboxer Two is he the guy in the purple shorts? Lots of great things. Wait, um, purple shorts? There's a guy in the beginning. I think there's a picture of it on the website of the. They're like he's in the kitchen watching like this helicopter oh. take off. <laughs> yes, <He's>, yes. <laughs> and um, but it. we could go on all day with the fashion. That could be a whole episode. But um, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, okay. So that was good. Um, China Brian one and two. So. Yeah, my number one was Equalizer 2000. Um, oh, the, yeah, I just love you know, the big gun. Um, I like the, <laughs> the vest with no shirt underneath and the leather of, course. Uh, of the of the apocalypse, the Sirio and H. Santiago <laughs> direction. Um, but yeah, just, just seeing Norton drive around in this car with spikes on it and this huge gun <laughs> shooting people was just I, I, the whole thing. It was It was just pure, unabashed Richard Norton. And he has well, a beard, I mean, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think in his other Serio, I think it's by Serio, in his other post-apocalyptic, I think he has a beard in that, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's post-apocalyptic Alaska, which is great, too, because it's being filmed in, like, a desert somewhere or something like that. It's just like, that was what was so great about the apocalypse, right, is that you could you could <laughs> make something be in the apocalypse, and you could shoot it wherever you wanted it and call it whatever you wanted. Um, it, it was just, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 gun I think is the best part, but there's there's a lot of a lot of great stuff in here. It's got you know it's got all your your, your usual. It's got like people like Vic Diaz and people like that who's 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 in it as well. So it's kind of got your your classic you know Philippine people. Actually, Robert Patrick is listed in it. I, I'm trying to think where um, where, where was where he in that? Was. I don't remember. Maybe it's a small role. Yeah, I, I I think it's just kind of like he was there and it was like okay right. let's, you know or maybe they were doing future <laughs> hunters at the same time. They're like okay why don't you play in this and and stuff. So yeah, you never know. But um. I remember my, my buddy was um, stationed in Japan for work. Uh, he, he was he was there doing something for work in uh, New Year's. I think it was last year, New Year's. Mm. And um and he so he messaged me, you know, Happy New Year or something like that. And he's like, Yeah, it's actually been New Year's for twelve years or for twelve hours now. And I was like, Oh, what is the future like? Is it just a bunch of guys with no shirts on and leather vests with uh, you know driving around spiked cars? And so it's like this is kind of my understanding of what the future is supposed to be. What's wow. his response to that? What, did he respond to that? Or yeah, like, yeah, he was like, he's like, yes, it, it's crazy right now. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, he was like, it, this is exactly what I'm seeing. So yeah, like, yeah, I think I, I may have seen this one with him. I don't know. Um, usually with him, I, we would watch a lot of like Dolphin Wings movies. Uh, it was my friend mm-hmm. Ian. Um, you know, he was one of the people that we kind of got into the whole Wings Hauser thing. Um, when we were mm-hmm. talking about that. You know, um, I don't know if I'd seen this one with him actually. Now that I think about, it, I think I may have just, you know, but but we've seen some of those post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. ones like that where it's just yeah you know um guys and, and you know that idea i mean that leather just seems to have survived the apocalypse really well and so you, <laughs> well, you've got tons of as, it. as run dmc said they're tougher than leather right. but, exactly. um, but, but um and it's funny because we were talking about mel gibson in the mad max series and uh this could be like norton's mad max yeah you well, know so he got to do mad max. <laughs> yeah. 
there are all these Mad Max kind of serial movies, right? Like Striker. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I saw that. Did we see that one? I don't no, remember. We've seen Striker. No, we've seen Striker. It's on the oh, website. Okay. We reviewed it, I think. Oh, okay. Because I, I get that hard to remember because there's so many and they're all kind of similar. Right, because there's Wheels of Fire also. Yeah. And there's so many. I mean, this also could be a podcast. I think I do have that written down as a potential podcast idea as post-apocalyptic oh, movies. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so that's a good choice. And I like that it has sort of a personal connection as well. So, yeah. Um, all right, Ty, what do you got? So this is interesting because it's my number one thing now. I was going to do Rage and Honor 1 and 2, but we already talked about this. So I'm doing a, surpri- uh-huh. a surprise switch. A surprise change? Okay. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, Sword of Bushido. Oh. Yeah, which is a Rare wow. Norton movie where he has to find, like, this Sword of Bushido. <laughs> it's like, but it's classic Norton. He does, he's, he's doing these sword fighting. Of course, he's shirtless. It's very ridiculous. <laughs> Now, is that the one where Gerald Okamura yells? Is, I think it's American uh, Street Fighter. No, but then he says, Bushido! Oh. <laughs> There's a great moment where I think Gerald Okamura... For, am I thinking of the right movie, first off? You're not. You're not thinking of oh. the <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I had a suspicion I might not be. Is there American but, Street Fighter? Oh, so never mind. Or Revenge of the Bushido Blade. Yes, but that's a great movie too. Where it just it's worth it just to for that scene with Gerald Okamura. But I won't say anything more. Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> I kind of gave it away, but um, away, but it's not, it's not a plot twist or anything. No, it's just no. something cool that happens. It would be funny if a word is a plot twist, but it's just like, <laughs> it's just a great yell. That's all it is. Um, have you seen this one, Matt? I know it's kind of no. rare. No, well, I have never seen this. No, I I have got to uh, now. I, I've got to check it out for sure. I've, um, this I mean, it looks amazing. I've got I've got two now on my list after. Um, oh, I've got this, and now I have uh, and I also have Rage. I hadn't seen Rage yet either. So, um, there's, there's last two. I checked, it was on um, uh, Prime. Yeah, Rage is on Prime. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Revenge of the Bushido Blade is that on Prime? Uh, I can list look. It, it no. didn't list it. But um, because it, 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 it usually IMDb lists it as a movie, but oh um, yeah, the funny thing is I, I looked up sort of Bushido to see if it's on YouTube, and then they gave me Rage um, oh. that's available. So it doesn't look like <laughs> it's right, even so on it's, YouTube. I'm not even sure how we saw it, but like, I, how did we see it? I, I, I don't remember. remember. It was on YouTube for it must a spell. Be YouTube. Yeah. yeah, it's possible. It's possible. I mean, who is putting in a copyright claim on sort of Bushido? Like. <sighs> I don't know. YouTube does these sweeps, you know, occasionally. Like, you'll just go to some, you know, somebody's channel that has all this stuff one day, then the next day it'll be gone. You know, it's that's why if you have something to watch on YouTube, you should put that ahead of anything else you'd have to watch because it, it really could go away tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that, that um, uh, Jalal Merhi is doing is because um, he owns the rights to a lot of his movies, like Tiger Claws and, and those mm-hmm. ones. He's actually put them on YouTube himself and is making the ad revenue off them. And so oh, see, that's smart. I think that's what Troma does. Like Troma, you can watch these Troma movies and they, that, you know, and other companies as well. They, they take control of this. And then they, there aren't these sort of, I guess you call them bootleggers doing it. They're, they're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking at the distributors and the production company, I'm not seeing any like major companies involved with this that would be really like, I mean, New World Videos, the UK VHS, but that I don't think they would be putting in a car. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I guess oh, there's a company called Cargo Records in Germany that has the DVD rights in 2020. So maybe that's it. Maybe like they, huh. they, they put in a, a thing for it. I mean, 
I mean, it's weird seeing a 2020 listed here among the uh, the distributors for this movie. Wow. So, yeah. so there's a company in Germany, I guess, that's put it out. Um, um, maybe it's popular there. Maybe it's pop because Switzerland has one in 2009, uh, a dis- distribution company that put it out as well. So I, I wonder if there's maybe some kind of you know German Swiss like like market for this film that people really love it there maybe. I, that happens, you know. They, that's the thing. They're, these movies are really international. Yeah, like yeah. I think more so than in the U.S. I think the U.S. is like one of the lesser markets for these type of movies. I, they seem to be very popular worldwide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the the the, the VHS rips that you see on like YouTube, or if, if you're able to get a rip from somebody else, or you know, someone like um Simon Miller and um uh, who d- does explicit act explosive action with his collection that he has. Yeah, a lot of the collection. collection. Yeah, he's got stuff from everywhere. I mean, he's yeah. got stuff from Japan. He's got stuff from uh, from Europe. So a lot of his movies have, and there, a lot of them have hard coded subs from like Japan or those places. Yeah. But um, I mean, he's crazy. I mean, he's got like I don't say crazy in like a bad thing. He's, he's like <laughs> he's really you know committed in that he's got like a lot of region free VHS players or VHS players from different yeah. parts of the world. And I mean, he's but but yeah, a lot of these ones he he really had. I mean, we we have him to thank for finally getting the secret of Mahi's Island. Um, oh, thank you. Mahi's island uh you know for the daniels but he's probably yeah, that, was he probably has this. that was impossible to find yeah. i mean here in the u.s that was impossible yeah it was like the the the, 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 the holy grail and then one day but i felt like if anybody was going to find it it was him and and sure enough i think he posted it on uh on his instagram like there it is there's you know and it, was, it was amazing and so like kind of that one movie that we all wanted to see from daniels yeah. that, you know yep. and final reprisal too so it was like we got right. to see both yeah at the same time yeah, and I think JCT took because I, I think when uh, when Simon when he when he gets them sometimes he'll he'll rip them and kind of make them available for people and I think JCT got that's his his rip of the movie um, is is Simon's that JCT posted on uh, on YouTube. I mean, so that's good. There is a fan community that is helping out the people that can't get a hold of these movies because they are so rare. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, yeah, I mean Japan. I mean they get everything. So I mean a lot of this stuff comes from these Japanese VHS and sometimes laser discs. I mean, if a movie came out, it came out in Japan. I mean, that's a given. And then if it came out in any other country, then it did or it didn't, but it, Japan got everything. I mean, their, their appetite for this, for any genre of movie is unbelievable. I mean, everything came out there. So, um, way more than even the U S I would say. We don't want to forget your number one Norton choice. No, no, Oh no, that that was it. My number oh, was uh, was Equalizer two thousand. Oh, it was, oh yep. I, I you said it and I we number. got yeah. that's okay. I, yeah, I, I the numbers are all lost today. I, I do have some honorable mentions though. Oh uh, yeah. So so my first honorable mention, actually kind of going along the Equalizer two thousand route, is Raiders of the Sun. Um, <clears> that is a movie that is just again. I don't want to use the word cheesy. I I think I think it's again it's right. kind of just kind of a, a catch-all and, and it's kind of lazy um, right right because if you notice people that listen to our podcast or read our site you won't find that word right like i never use it so um yeah so anyway but anyway go on no i mean i, I think this one though for people that are you know this is like really like heavy duty and kind of like the you're watching something because it's 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 silly or it's goofy like you're mm-hmm. this is this is something that's like it's kind of like next level bad cinema. Uh, you know, I mean, it is, it is a Corman film. It is directed by Sergio Santiago, but I mean, there's stuff that happens in it. Like there's a, 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 a 
group of people that you know they're dwarves in the film. Um, okay, and, yes, I remember that. Yeah. Right, and it's like um, this woman that they find who was like tied to a boulder or something with a stick in her <laughs> mouth or something. Like they rescue her and they bring her to this village where these dwarves are, and she just starts talking to them. And Norton comes over and he's like, "Oh, I see you can you can speak their language," and and you know that's like. <laughs> It's like, what? They speak their own language? And it's like, these are things you probably couldn't even do in a movie now. They'd just be so un-PC. Um, but when you're watching it now with, like, you know, 2020 eyes for a movie in 1992, it's 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 hilarious. You know, it's just – it's so, so funny. Um, and there's just tons of this stuff. It's like it's like you take Equalizer 2000. It's kind of like just a it's, – it's, it's like this, but there's enough, like, really good in it to say, like, man, this is a great movie. I really love it. Whereas this one doesn't quite – fit the bill like it doesn't it, it's almost like it misses the mark enough that it can't be considered a really good movie but it's so much fun to watch and i think it's like the kind of movie that like you get together with people and just you know yell at it you you can talk over it it's like if you miss a plot point it's not the worst thing in the world um yeah it's just kind of one of those and i i don't know it's, for me it, was, it wasn't good enough to put in my top five but it's definitely like a an honorable mention for me. Like I wouldn't tell somebody like this is your introduction to Richard Norton. I, I don't think this should be anybody's first Richard Norton movie. Um, and, and I always kind of feel like too, it's the kind of film that like, people that, that write off what we do that say like you know oh these movies are bad movies. You guys just watch bad movies. If they saw this, they'd be like yeah I I was right. You guys just watch bad movies. Um, but for people that are into the kind of movies that we talk about, this is a lot of fun. I think. Yes, I agree. And then plus the odds that he'd be in two post-apocalyptic movies of the same quality is pretty slim. Right. So I like that you kind of you covered, you know, the better one, the, the quote unquote, not, you know, so good one. But I get what you're saying. It's 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 that has that fun factor that um, kind of transcends anything else. I have to rewatch it one of these days. Yeah. Um, and what is your other uh so we, we mentioned it earlier with uh, Bin Bin slash Pin Pin, um, <laughs> uh, Magic Crystal. Uh, is, yeah. You know, the, whoever dubbed uh, – so the idea is I guess that, that he's supposed to be a KGB agent in Magic Crystal who's trying to get this Magic Crystal, uh, Richard Norton. Oh, um, and then <laughs> you Cynthia deciphered Rothrock, the plot. Right? What? <laughs> you deciphered the plot. I didn't know what the heck was going on. I think that's what he is. I think he's a KGB yeah. person. And then I think I think um, Rothrock's Interpol, I believe, with her partner um, – and 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 then of course you know there's the the, the main protagonist there, um, um, but yeah it's like it, Norton is dubbed over with somebody who's trying to do I think they're trying to do an Eastern European accent but it sounds like a really really like racist caricature of a Latin American accent <laughs> it's like the, right it's like the kind of thing that like if you heard somebody say it on TV it'd be like oh boy that person's getting canceled you know what I mean like they, you know, Right, like you can't, you can't do that. Um, it, 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 the whole movie is just like that. But again, it's another one of those ones where Norton plays a great baddie. Um, he has really great fight scenes with, um, with Rothrock in it. Um, you know, a few other really great fight scenes. So it's, it's really great stuff. But I, again, it's just not something that I think I could put in a top five for, for, for Norton, um, just because it is so absurd too. Yeah, but I'm glad you brought that up because I do think it's worth mentioning. Well, hopefully, Bin Bin is still around. Um, well, yes, we all hope so. We hope that nothing but the best for Bin Bin. Bin Bin, call us. You know, we'll, uh, we'll take a look. I'm sorry, what? The funny thing is that Bin Bin is almost the same age as me. Um, he was oh. born in 79, like uh, November of 79. So he just turned 41. Um, it, it, he hasn't made a movie since 2014. And he's only made 11 – he only has 11 credits. Um, so – 
I, I don't know what his credits to Eric Robert levels right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that way he'd have his work cut out for him if he uh, tried to do that. He could just be um, on a phone, right? That's what we were talking about last time. Just been been on a phone, talking to other people. Been. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I, maybe it was one of those child actor things where he grew up and people were like, you know, he has kids apparently. No, there's kids. Ben Ben Junior. Yeah, it would be like Ben Ben Ben. One of them's name is Benny Wen, because um, I guess his name's not really Bin Bin. It's like um, it's it's uh, Chow Yu Wen is his real name. Mm. Um, and so yeah, he has kids that have been working in the business, but they haven't done anything since the mid uh, 2010s either. So um, yeah, he's he's kind of you know we we don't know what's going on with with him. I'm sure he's doing something important. You know, he probably has a job of some sort and, you know, left the acting life behind. But, you know, at least we have what we have. You know, we have some solid bin bin over the years. I think that's important. (laughs) Yeah, it's I I never really considered the fact that, yes, I would have been bin bin's age when Magic Crystal came out. So I guess (laughs) I I would have been the the annoying child star. And I I think it wasn't that annoying necessarily. No, it's not annoying. It was fun. Yeah. He was fun. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. You well, know, it's kind of like when you watch these Ted Jan Roberts movies. I think we're all, well, at least you and me, Matt, we're roughly the same age as Ted Jan Roberts. So <laughs> when we see him, it's like, well, that could have been me. You know, I, I could have done that. <laughs> I could have worn like a gigantic T-shirt and kicked people. I mean, that's <laughs> actually. I think he's almost exactly the same age as Bin Bin because I think he was born in like oh. September of 1979, and Bin Bin was November. So they're almost like. Um, yeah, I think yeah, that's it's crazy to think. Imagine that, that team up. What if they were in a movie together? Yeah, I like that idea. Ben, ben, ben and Ted Ben and Ben Chan and I don't know. It get a little confusing, but <laughs> yeah, I think we, I think it could happen. Lots of wacky confusions today in this episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, it's crazy when you think about that. Like when you know the difference between like six and and thirteen or fourteen is is pretty huge, and so it's like you know you're seeing Ben Ben in a movie from 1986. And he's like, you know, he's seven. And I guess Ted Jan Roberts, so we, we would have, any of us would have been seven, I guess, at that time. He was born in 79. And then in the early 90s, you're in your, your, your early teen years. And so then Ted Jan Roberts is suddenly, you know, something, you know, he's, it's, it's, you, you can't put him in the same place as Bin Bin. It's a, it's a crazy thing to think about. I never really, you know, I, I yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 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 age progression. Yeah, you're age and that's, that's why that's it again. That's why people tune into this podcast. They want to hear weird things about shirtless uh, people, and they want to hear about weird time crunches and juxtapositions. I mean, that's why people listen. So I, I, I try to deliver that to people. Um, yeah, we do our but, best to do that. Right. So you know, if, if Morley Safer was shirtless and Ted Jen Roberts and Bing Bing were were all together, um, you know, our minds would be very much blown. I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. They, they they could have been like the the, the two Corys of, yeah. of the DTV <laughs> yes, yes. action world if Bin Bin had still been making stuff and Bin Bin and, and Ted Jen Roberts. That would have been fantastic. Because Ted Jen already beat already uh, beat up Corey Feldman in a dangerous place. He did. Yeah. <laughs> Or right, did he? Spoiler. Yeah. No, no, I think he did. Oh, no, well, I'm trying not to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, yeah. Oh. It, it, just, just. Well, it doesn't say killed him. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who watches um, a dangerous place when when um, Corey Feldman is driving his dirt bike along yes. the baseball field, the baseball. nothing happens after that. Just yeah. Spo- you know, <laughs> spoiler alert. Just so you don't, you know, you don't don't expect anything crazy to happen there. 
wilding on that baseball field. Nothing is going to happen. Nope. And it's Dick Van Patten's best work in a dangerous place. <laughs> what is the principal? Just principal. Just principal. Oh, sorry. Yeah, just principal. No yeah. name. No, you didn't even get a the. It's just principal. principal. Yeah. And, and the only thing that keeps him from it being a complete, literal sit-down role <laughs> is the good manners he has when Aaron Gray comes in that he has to stand up when a woman enters the room. Right. So close. Yeah, I know. But yeah, but it, for all intents and purposes, it's what we all call a sit down role, which for those who don't know, it's when usually these companies will get sort of a name actor, but they might be a little older or maybe not. But usually they are. And then they just stay seated the, for the entire time they're on screen. Um, a classic example is Mickey Rooney in Maximum Force. <laughs> yeah, he just sits in that limousine. I think he's the mayor, right? I think we were supposed to vote for him. Um, <laughs> or something. But yeah, he's in a limousine that he never stands up. And no. I think another one, and he's one of the younger people that did one of these, is Joe Spinell, as I've said, one of my favorite actors. Um, in oh, was Operation, Operation, Operation Warzone or Rapid Fire, either one, really. Yeah, he doesn't stand, I don't think, in either one of those. Or if he does, it's not for a very long amount of time. Um, I didn't want to repeat so. it, but you know, I got the Eric Roberts sitting in the van, you know, and <laughs> that's what he does now. In what movie? Uh, no, it's not. Well, it's that Circuit TV show we talked about in the one of the last episodes. Oh. And it's just they 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 cut to Eric Roberts and the van opens, and then here comes Eric Roberts sitting <laughs> with a seatbelt on, I think. So like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, safety first. Well, tell what that movie we watched it with the head. Uh, it was a Baldwin, and he went. Duh, oh, and, oh uh, you always forget Maximum Impact, right? Maximum Impact. Well, yeah, of course, because it, it's it's not oh, that title. Terrible, but, the title uh, is very generic. Well, he's yeah. on Skype or something. Yeah, he's like on Skype, and like he's making all these dumb faces where you, as the audience, will probably say, "Duh." Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you're talking at the screen, as you probably will want to do, he just kind of yeah. looks like a dummy. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest plot twist, you know, not to, you know, again, spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen Skin Traffic yet, but <laughs> I think the biggest plot twist in that one is that Eric Roberts, it's it, he seems like he's doing a sit down role, and then suddenly he's actually standing up and he's in a whole completely different set uh, in the airplane hangar. Um, I was, I was like, whoa! I can't, how did they get Eric Roberts to do that? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think Ty, I think you and I had maybe like like um, yeah. hypothesized that. They they were filming him getting on the plane to leave. Yeah. <laughs> so they figured, well, you gotta you gotta take go to the airport anyway to leave. So why don't we just film a scene there and then you can go? Um, it's the only explanation for how you can get him to do again. Like I mean, it, that was a that was probably the biggest plot twist in the whole film for me was the fact that that Eric Roberts the whole film he's just standing in this he's just sitting behind a desk talking on the phone. Um, I think he even does a scene with Michael Madsen that it, you, you can't well, tell that the two of them are together. Y- yeah, um, well, they, they do their best to uh, uh, show that. Yeah. Well, there was that other scene where Michael Madsen was clearly somewhere else. But I don't yeah, think which one was that one? Remember, there's a picture of it on the on the website. It's like he's in front of like a white wall and he's quote unquote talking to. Well, I think it's Mickey Rourke, not Eric Roberts. And yeah. it's clear they shot those at different times and they were trying to match it up and it's it's kind of funny yeah yeah it's it, it's it's amazing with some of these like like you know eric roberts i think you know he did a movie um uh extraction uh or sector six sector four extraction I right think. something yeah sector the, five, yeah. Title. yeah um yeah. that was the one that um uh, yeah that um it, i think eric roberts the only non-sitting scenes he does is when he's standing at a, at a rail on his deck um in the house <laughs> that he has to so he's leaning 
Right, oh, so he's wow, leaning. He, the uh, lean, lean down roll. <laughs> right. Lean down, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And I think, you know, but but Eric Roberts, he's he's probably the closest that we ever get to. Like, he, ha- he probably has the most sit-down roles. Like, it would be interesting to see, like, if somebody could, could tabulate. <laughs> I, the problem is it would just be a Herculean task to yeah. go through his 600-plus. I know. Yeah. It's, oh, I mean, just to get through the, the post-production ones that haven't even been released yet, to get to the, the films that are actually the ones he's, that, have been, that have come out is just a mess in and of itself. Well, they're in post-production because they're just cutting out all the scenes where he's standing. So that right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't need this. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, well, um, that, that we could doesn't hurt but Yeah, we could. And maybe we will one day. We'll have to. Uh, well, you have to come back on for Billy Blanks. I could probably set yeah. that up with you shortly if you want. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking we could do another podcast episode of best sit down rules of all oh, time. Oh, that's a good idea too. <laughs> yeah. I'll write that down because I've, I've written down a couple ideas as we've been talking. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess we may have already done that podcast, but right now, well, past ten minutes. But that's true. <laughs> but we could go into it into more detail. Yeah, well, it's funny, ten, like ten minute podcast. Well, you know, it's funny because like. We could probably just start talking like with no subject in like fill two hours. Like we, you know, we don't even have to have a subject. We could just turn on the, the recorder and just go. We probably could do that, but I don't know if people would want to hear that. Or maybe we could. It could just the episode could be called like no subject or something. Like when you send an email. Uh, um, but because we can just keep talking about all this different stuff that that pops it would be up. Like completely random stuff, but it's still somewhat cohesive. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, well, that's every podcast for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just need a starter, right? Like you just need like a one starter and just be like, go and yeah. and see. Yeah, see if you can do two hours from that, like whatever the starter is, like whatever it is. Yeah, you know? it, I I actually might be interested in doing that. Yeah, so we'll have to have you on for that too. No yeah. subject. Oh, no, we have to. Yeah, we, we can do that ourselves. We would need the DTVC, I think, for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to keep moving it. Yeah, it's yeah, it's the man, the myth, legend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But it would be amazing because, yeah, we, you know, like you with this episode, like where we're talking about all these things, there's this piece in the back of my mind. It was like, oh, we were talking about Richard Norton. And oh, yeah. to, to not have that <laughs> in the back of your mind, right, to not have that like in the back of your mind, like, oh, am I going too far off or, you know, or anything like that. Ah, to, to just okay. be like, no, we're just doing it. That would be amazing. Well, yeah, I mean, because that's, that's what like, I've that's always said. Like, when I listen to other podcasts, I like when they go off on tangents and start talking about other things. That's just me personally. I like that. So that's why I think it always happens on our show, because I'm not going to rein it in too much usually, because that's what I like to hear. Because it seems like when other people go off on tangents, that's when they really kind of touch on some more interesting things. Because it's, you know, it's yeah, just, we, we just kind of spinning yeah. off. And then, you know, you find some gems along the way. And that's what I hope happens. So at least and here. I, and I hope we want, you know, people will watch some of these Richard Norton movies just to get back oh, to the yeah. end of the uh, yeah. bit. Yeah, which, good uh, to tie it up in a bow and say, yeah, yeah watch some Richard Norton movies. And bye. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bye. Um, but, Richard but, Norton, he's good. Bye. Yeah. I mean, you know. Um, I think a lot of his stuff, a lot of Norton's really good stuff is either on Prime um, or it's on YouTube. If, it, if it's not on one of the streaming servers, I think Tubi has some as well. But Okay, cool. He, you can find it if if you want to get started with it, but I, I think Norton is one of those ones that people really shouldn't sleep on. If you're a DTV uh, action film fan, if you're kind of just getting into this kind of stuff and and you, you you're kind of you've done like the big names, Norton is one that I think it, it, it nobody should sleep on. He's just really fantastic. 
Yes, I agree. He's one of my favorites as well. And um, I think we all agree on that. And um, so, Matt, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Yeah, so, so the, the, the number one place is dtvconnoisseur.blogspot.com because that has the links to Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, and, and pretty much to everything, to the, to the podcast. Um, that, that's the place to go to find everything. But I am on all the major social media places as well, Twitter, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Um, and then um, my novel, Chad and Accounting, that is available on Amazon. You can buy it. Uh, you know, in, in paperback, Kindle or Kindle Unlimited. Um, there is a link to that Ooh, as well. Paperback. But I, yeah, paperback, <laughs> right? Exactly. If people want to actually buy the, the physical copy. Of, one of the problems is that I think if you if you access my blog through mobile, um, oh. DTV Concert through mobile, the the, the 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 link to the book doesn't show up there. So it's something to keep in mind. But oh, okay. but um but you can find it on Amazon. Just look up uh, Chad and Accounting, or just look up my name, Matt Poirier, which is probably the harder of the two because spelling Poirier uh, is not an easy thing for people to do. <laughs> I'm assuming um, your mail is is like is it spelled right? It's just like <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's hard. I mean, growing up in New England, where like there were a lot of French speaking people, there was always somebody who who knew that name because they'd be like, "Oh, do you know so and so?" I was like, "No, I don't. I'm not related to that person. I don't know them." Um, whereas down here in Philadelphia, people are like, "What? What is that? Like that doesn't even make any sense." And um, and, and the the other thing too, just as a quick sideline, um, they were showing um Don the Dra- or Don not Don the Dragon, not Don Don Jr. Um, was showing that video um of Trump before he went on to like do his big. Uh, speech thing and they were playing Gloria. Um, when I was when I was in high school, people would make fun of me because if you say Poirier with a, a New England accent, it's Poria, which rhymes yeah. with Gloria. And so you know, people would be like, "Oh yeah, Poria, I think they got your number. Did you get it?" And it's like, "Yeah, I, I get it. I get it." Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Good one, sir. Yes. Yeah, well, but like you said, in New England, you know, there are a lot of people with a, a French kind of extraction. I think my theory is that they came down from Quebec. It's not that far, yeah. so. You know, people that came to Canada and settled, but then kind of moved south. That's why that's a common name. And other French type names are fairly common around here, at least where we are in Connecticut and, and you know, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, that whole part of the country. Um, yeah. So thanks for turning into genealogy today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we got to do our plugs too. There. Yeah. <laughs> we could have said Van Damme was was you know they always put him in like Cajun areas when they wanted to make him be French you know they could have put him in New England too they just never bothered. And they could and that would work. I mean that wouldn't be so much of a stretch. I mean I think it's less of a stretch than having Seagal be Cajun, which he is for a while. <laughs> He's um, always Cajun now. It's like, yes. I think he maybe went to Popeyes or something yeah. and then. <laughs> well, yeah, he's Louisiana fast, I think. But, yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he loves that chicken from Popeyes. I love that Popeyes um, chicken. Some of that Popeyes chicken. That's yeah. He should be in ads for the Popeyes chicken. Popeyes, Popeyes chicken's really good. I like the biscuit. So well, Todd, didn't you say you were going to try and find. Oh, sorry. Yeah. What am I finding? Uh, a Lawman Season 2, which apparently oh, like, didn't yeah, even come out it's, here. It's around somewhere. It's fine. I can find it. Yeah. But it didn't even get a DVD release, I don't think, no, here. No, not here. But, I think it's in the yeah. UK or something. Um, but anyway, so let's oh, see. Oh, we have to do our plugs. Um, well, thank you for listening oh, to yeah, our thanks for listening, yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for coming back on, Matt. Yes. And, yeah. and, um, and I'm sure we'll have you on again very soon. Yeah, very um, soon. Probably tomorrow. Or email, yeah. yeah, well, maybe. But as, yeah. as, if you want to email us, email crpodcast at yahoo.com. And um, the podcast itself, you know, iTunes and all the podcatchers, most of the, pretty much all of them. Um, and uh, Ty, what else do you have yeah. as far as ways people Twitter. can get in touch with us? 
is Ty Comeuppance. And let's see, we got Facebook under the website name, which is Comeuppance Reviews. Also, there's the website, which has comeuppanceviews.net. And, oh, my Instagram, Ty Action Rocks. Which actually, no, it's funny, I posted Rage and Honor today. Uh, So it's a a cool cover. It's it's Roth Rocks. It's like kind of putting their hands over, you know, and it's like, I'm going to punch you. You know, it's like, it looks cool. Um, And that's a good tie-in, even though... By the time this is posted, you'll have posted something else. But yeah, still, at least we can talk about it right now. Yeah. So that those are all our plugs. I guess, uh, well, once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming back on. Now, I think I said that five times already. <laughs> thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, You're always welcome. All right. Well, I'm sure we'll do Billy Blanks. And then if you want us for your pod, uh, just let us know for anything. Did you want to do Zags? Was it Zags? I forget. Yes, yeah, so I had an idea, and maybe we'll talk about it. It's um, maybe like the other guys, like you know, so like Zags, Bradley, Trimble, like you know, kind of that kind of thing. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. You know. Yeah, well, it seems like I mean, it's a good idea, but it seems like almost if we start talking, then they can each have their own show, you know, because there's there's a lot to say. I mean, unless we talk, to, you know, we put them in like similar hair categories. Like if we put Zagarino, Ron Vreekin, and um. Uh, who's the guy with the mirror match? Um, oh, uh, David um, Shark Fralick. Yeah, David Shark Fralick, and put those three together. You know that I think that could that could work. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whenever you want, just let us know, and we will be there to talk about action with you. Sounds good. I guess uh, that was the end of the up. I guess. <laughs> so. Uh, all I have left to say is thanks for listening and goodbye.
I could have worn like a gigantic t-shirt and kick people. I mean, yeah. that's 